Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, presented by DraftKings 2021 AFC South Team Previews. Player profiles, you missed any of the other divisions in the NFL? Well, we've already done them. Hit the description, you can find them all there. Remember to smash the like button for the episode, and tell me, give me a Deshaun Watson stat line for 2021. Is he going to play 17 games? Is he going to play no games? What team is he going to play for? You let me know your Deshaun thoughts in the comment section right now. Remember to subscribe to Mayo Media Network for all of the video content. We're rolling out two fantasy football shows a week for right now. But the big ranking show is coming early next week. Top 150 players. Then we're going to go position by position. Hash it all out with all of my different guests. You'll have lists to look at. Who doesn't love a good list? I know I love a good list. Much easier than writing 3,000 words. Just listing players in chronological order from one all the way down to 150. As I always say, I don't do memento style rankings where it goes 32, 47, 4, 125. No, you none of that from Pat Mayo. One in order through 150 is what? You will be seeing. I have a huge announcement pertaining to betting tools, fantasy tools, and season-long tools also coming next week. But I do want to let everyone know, if you hit the description, there is a job opening for the NFL at Mayo Media Network. Before July 10th, you have to submit your audition tape. You could be a host on the network of our brand new fantasy football show, so I encourage you to please go check that out. From EstablishTheRun.com, it is Mike Leone. What's happening, man? Not too much. Excited to run it back. We did the NFC North last week, so that was a good time. So now we get the the AFC South, which I think is might be a little bit more interesting than it seems on the surface. It's interesting just because it's a clusterfuck. We don't know what's going on in this division. <laughs> so let's start with Indy uh, with Carson Wentz now as their quarterback. 10 is their over-under win total, minus 182. Once again, that means you have to bet $182 to win $100 for them to make the playoffs, plus 105 to win the division, 12 to 1 to win the conference, and 25 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. What are you expecting from Carson Wentz? Because it feels like his range of outcomes this season is just all over the map. Yeah, it's difficult to really pin that down. I think he's going to benefit from playing in an organization that seems a bit more stable. You know, we learned a lot of stuff about Philly after things broke down last year that didn't sound that great. So more stable organization. Frank Reich's run some pretty good offenses, including when Carson Wentz was pretty successful in Philly. And the offensive line here is really good. So I think that's going to help Wentz. I'm looking at him to have I don't like a pretty mediocre down the middle season. I certainly think he's going to rebound from, you know, a disastrous year last year. The sack rate should be better, you know, with the O line playing better. And just, I think a offense that's designed a bit more efficiently. In terms of fantasy, unless you're playing in a super flex or a two quarterback league, like he's not really draftable. Is it? Cause you said like a mediocre type season. My projections have him at QB 16 right now. And that might be generous. Yeah, I have him like QB 22. So even with me being optimistic on Wentz and the QB 22, I think it's like around his ADP. So in managed leagues, I just don't see the high end upside here. You know, it's going to be a run heavier team. I could see him being efficient on a per attempt basis, but you're, you're not going to win fantasy championships that way. If you're playing best ball, 
you know, you're drafting multiple quarterbacks. I could see it if you're one of these big best ball tournaments like DraftKings has. The playoff schedule for the Colts, I believe, is actually pretty nice. And you can get in a pretty cheap stack with Michael Pittman and Paris Campbell. I don't mind that. But yeah, for standard redraft leagues, Wentz is someone that should be undrafted, in my opinion. Well, the biggest question is how much does he help his weapons in this? And which weapons does he actually help? We'll get to that in a second. But I want to talk about the running back situation. I kind of had this out with Jake on yesterday's show. Just when we think about Jonathan Taylor and where he's going in drafts right now, very highly. He's going as a top five running backs in some of these drafts. And I actually think the return of Marlon Mack is going to have an impact on Jonathan Taylor. We already know that they use Hines from time to time. And what we saw from Taylor down the stretch of the season and into the playoffs might not actually be the Jonathan Taylor usage that we get, especially early on in the season. I think Frank Reich is somewhat logical with this. He doesn't give a shit about your fantasy team. You're going to see Marlon Mack with like five to eight carries per game because they just like having extra. And if it's not Mack, it's someone else on this roster just to keep Jonathan Taylor fresh. I don't think we're looking at a guy that we just pencil in every single week for 20 plus touches and be on our way. I think it's going to be a bit more sporadic than that. I don't think he's going to be as much of a workhorse back as some of these other first round guys, but I think he's pretty safe around the 15 touch mark with with really strong efficiency. I know we generally want to bet on volume more than efficiency, but with his talent, I know, you know, he was kind of like the consensus top running back from the analytics, like dynasty community going into the NFL draft last year. Uh, His athleticism's off the charts. One thing we were a little worried about was, can he catch the football? Not that we didn't think he couldn't do it, but we hadn't seen it a ton in college. And he was highly successful when he was targeted last year. I don't think he'll be targeted as much, you know, uh, in part due to the quarterback uh, switch from Philip Rivers, who targeted his running backs a ton, to Carson Wentz, who probably isn't going to quite at that level. But ultimately, like, I'm fine with him after that first tier of really, really strong running backs. I think there's like a clear top five. And then I think Taylor's fine. You know, even with Marlon Mack coming back, I want to bet on the talent. I think there's a chance, you know, he's still almost at 100 rush yards a game with a really high TD total, given the nature of this offense and his talent. The only reason I bring up the Mack thing is not to say that Jonathan Taylor is going to be a bad pick. I think he's going to be a fine running back one. It's just when I look at especially high stakes drafts in the past two weeks, he's going as the fifth pick overall. So not only is he number five at running back, he's number five overall. And I just, I prefer Elliott over him. I prefer Barkley over him. I think in full point PPR, I prefer Eckler over him. I think he's closer to Akers and Harris and Aaron Jones rather than the Elliots and Barkleys of the world. Yeah. And I've got him kind of like splitting the difference there. And at that point, if you're taking Taylor, it's not really like a projection thing. Like if you're taking Taylor over Elliott, if you're taking him over Barkley, it's more of a, confidence where you know sometimes the phrase is we want big hits and small misses and you're okay if you miss small and the volume's not great there but he doesn't have you know the the, in, the health risk that Barkley has he doesn't have sort of this I, I don't want to even say age risk with Zeke because he's only 25 but he's got a lot of tread on the tires and is coming off a really disappointing season like even if you contextually adjust for some of the things that went wrong that weren't his fault he was pretty bad so like I can see it, but right now in full PPR, I do have him behind Zeke and Saquon and then just in front of Eckler. And then those guys, you know, about five spots or so overall ahead of that Akers Jones mixins here. 
I think what I'm saying is that if I had the fifth pick in a draft and I had the ability to either take Jonathan Taylor or let's say trade to number 10 in the draft, I feel like I would get an equivalent running back at number 10 and then I would just get something else to go along with it. Because I, I do think I'm that on he, board. I, I think that he's firmly in that next tier of running back down. Like, And I, I even have worries about Kamara. And just because there's so much unknown, I think, with the situation at quarterback in New Orleans. But I'd much rather have Kamara. I'd rather have Henry. I'd rather have Cook. I'd rather have McCaffrey, Elliott, Barkley. I personally like Eckler better. And I think that Cam Akers is going to be better than Jonathan Taylor, too. But I think that's where he is. He's right in that mix with the back end of those guys. Yeah, I, I, I think you're about right. I think that's, you know, I, I might have him a little bit ahead of where you have him. But ultimately, I'm in the same spot. Like, if I could trade from 5 to 10, I probably would do that. I don't think that Mac is draftable. I think that he's just more of a thorn in the side of Taylor owners because if, you know, I could see Frank Reich because we all kind of got triggered at the beginning of last season when it was Mac who was the starting running back out of the game. Then you know, he goes down week one and that's the end of him. But now he's had enough time to recover. He is going to return that Frank Reich seems like the type who might just play a hot hand every once in a while. Yeah, I'm I'm not into Mac. I just don't see the upside. I mean, if you're drafting a player that's almost entirely contingent value, like he's not going to be usable on his. No, I, 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 I'm only talking about him in context of how he relates to Taylor's upside. Yeah, he's, he's going to take away about a handful of carries a week, right? Like, I mean, that's going to happen. I think it's going to be very clearly JT's one, but... If this team runs the ball 25 times a game, it could be JT 15, Heinz five times, Mac five times. Exactly. And I think that where that number comes in, if it's five, maybe that's no big deal. But I mean, you're losing 10 carries a game to two other running backs. Is Heinz a decent pick here? He's going at pick number 117 in high stage leagues that's running back number 44 and that's full point ppr now you mentioned rivers leaving that's probably going to impact Hines more than everyone else because that's just the type of running back fantasy wise that philip rivers uplifts and they had lost so many receiving options that they had to play him probably more than they wanted to but is do we think that he's viable still i think he's still viable he's actually one of my favorite targets if you're going with like a light rb start or a zero rb start i still think even with rivers out he's someone that's going to see like 60 targets right i mean he was up over 70 last year so i think he's going to take a hit in the targets but i think it's be like 60 and we've seen them be willing to use Hines in the goal line role as you said at times maybe they go hot hand if an injury happens to either mac or taylor you've got contingent value like on both sides so I like him. I really like these guys that are pass catchers. And as a result, they're usable. If you just are, you know, light at running back to start the year, you've had injuries or something, you can slot them in and get your 10 points and like be okay with it. And then they have the upside, like some of the handcuffs have. So I'm fine with him, the double digit rounds. He's someone that I've taken a decent bit in early best balls. Wide receivers. Now this is where it gets interesting. So we got Pittman, Hilton, Zach Pascal, Paris, Campbell, the Frenchman. JJ Nelson is on this team now. Then you have the tight ends uh, with Jack Doyle, Mo Alicox, and that's probably the only two that really matter. How do you see this shaking down? Because we're trying to project out market share of targets for these guys was kind of difficult. I had Pittman at 19% of the target share, Hilton at 15, Pascal at 12, Campbell at 10. You could put those in reverse order in, they, that could be right too. Like this is just a very difficult team to really decipher when it comes down to where the ball is actually going to go in the air. 
Yeah, I think they're going to be very spread out. I mean, there were times last year when I would look at like the rolling four-week target share to try and do my DFS projections. And the highest guy would be at like 14.5% target share, which you just don't see in the NFL very often. And I actually have Pittman leading the team in target share at like a shade under 17% right now. So I'm pretty conservative with my projections here. I am definitely more willing to bet on the younger talent in Pittman and Campbell than in Hilton. And that's where the projections are kind of tough because you, know, you, you sort of want to slide the targets to Hilton because when he's been in, he's been targeted. But as he continues to age and continues to have to play with new quarterbacks, I'm going to bet more on Campbell, more on Michael Pittman there. And then at tight end, you know, Moelle Cox in – on a per target basis was actually pretty good last year. And now, you know, last year we had like the three headed monster because Trey Burden was mixed in with Doyle and Moelle Cox and now he's gone. So some appeal in like super deep leagues for Moelle Cox. I mean, that's more of a best ball thing. I can't imagine you'd be playing him in a one tight end league, but he's the type of guy that I'd be monitoring week one to see how the snap share and whatnot shakes out and be, you know, kind of quick on the wire to pick him up. Even if I'm not quite at the level where I'm drafting him. Michael Pittman, wide receiver number 43, pick number 100. Too high or too low? 43, pick 100. I think that's about right. Okay. T.Y. Hilton, wide receiver 54, pick 136. I think that's too early. Uh, I I don't think the upside's there for Hilton anymore. I'd rather bet on the younger guys. All right. Paris Campbell, wide receiver 66, pick 181. So undrafted. I like, I mean, in best ball, I've been taking a lot of Paris Campbell. It's hard to take any of these guys, I think, in a straight redraft managed league because generally you've wanted to compile some very clear wide receiver bets early. And I don't know if any of these guys is going to pop in a huge way where you're going to want to start them each week in a managed league, if that makes sense. So I, 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 I think, think I think it would be Pittman if it was anyone. I'm with you. I don't know if 43, yeah. like pick 100 is where I want to go, but it depends on how you construct your team. If you go running back heavy at the beginning and maybe have like three or four running backs in your first nine rounds or 10 rounds and Pittman is sitting there, he at least strikes me as the one on this team that if – if there was someone to break out and garner like a 23, 24% market share, and you're not going to know who you know vibes with Carson Wentz right away, but it seems like Pittman is the most talented of these guys. I mean, it's, Hilton's probably the most talented. He's just washed uh, from what he used to be at this point. So then it just falls into Pittman. I think that's a gamble that would be worth taking because it's not really that expensive. Yeah, I like, I'm with you. I mean, if I'm taking a gamble and manage on one of these three, it's going to be Pittman. Uh, I do have, like I said, I have a lot of Paris Campbell in best ball because the playoff schedule is nice and I'm taking like even more receivers in best ball than I wouldn't manage, but uh, that's just a different format. All right, let's shift over to Les Titans. Doug the Pugs, one and only Tennessee Titans, nine and a half to win the division, minus 167 to make the playoffs, plus 110 to win, the, sorry, Plus 110 to win the division, 13 to 1 to win the conference, 28 to 1 in the Super Bowl. It's kind of funny. I don't know what the VIG is on either side of the 9.5 right now, but them being at 9.5 and, and Indy being at 10, despite having almost identical numbers down the line to win the division, win the conference. The over bet, if you were to bet over um, on either Indy or Tennessee, it does strike me that Tennessee is the better over bet because you just 
have a hook that you can play with there. You're, you're, you don't push on a 10, you win with a 10 going 10 and 7. And that strikes me as where the Titans are probably going to be right around. They're going to beat some really good teams that you don't expect them to. Then they're going to like lose to Jacksonville twice or something weird like that. They're just a very confounding team for me from time to time. But let's talk about Tannehill. It seems like the entire offseason... My Twitter timeline gets flooded with, look how, like, Ryan Tannehill's basically Patrick Mahomes, is essentially what all of these <laughs> graphics tell me. Like, you must see it too, right? Yeah, if we uh, don't make any accounting for the number of attempts, right? Like, they completely leave out the raw attempts in those graphics, so they're a bit misleading. Uh, I have Tannehill projected as QB 13 this year. That's him scoring 10% of the team's rushing touchdowns, rushing for 10% of the team's rushing yards, and obviously all of the throwing that goes along with it. I mean, he's good. I don't think that he's ever going to run enough to make it worthwhile because there are some quarterbacks where you can kind of pencil in like, hey, here's their baseline numbers on the ground. Tannehill's feel very like Cam Newton, Carolina Panthers. -y. Actually, you know what? That's not true because like Cam was always going to run. He was always going to pick up yardage, but his touchdown total fluctuated so much from year to year. One year it was mm -hmm. one rushing touchdown. The next year it was 10 rushing touchdowns. You wanted to have him the year with the 10, the year with the one, not so great. Kirk Cousins is kind of like this, where just he'll randomly score like four rushing touchdowns every single season. Tannehill seems like he's on that plane of he's going to call his own number enough because people are going to bite on Derrick Henry enough around the goal line that he's probably going to score three, four touchdowns. But I don't think what he contributes on the ground is as good as people like to make it out to be. Well, as you said, I mean, it's very highly touchdown dependent. You know, I've got him in terms of like his actual rush yardage at like, you know, 10 to 15 rush yards a game, maybe closer to 15. Maybe I'm being conservative there, but like that's, you know, pretty much nothing in this day and age. That's one and a half points a week on the ground without the touchdown. So it is going to be touchdown dependent. I do think he's going to be more consistent in that area than say a Kirk Cousins, just because I think this offense can be pretty good. It's going to present a lot of opportunities and just the uniqueness of Derrick Henry there. It's going to provide some freebies. What I like about Tannehill this year is I think we see them open up the passing game a little bit more on the basis of the talent to start, you know, with the addition of Julio Jones. Now, Corey Davis had an absurd season. So from a pure efficiency standpoint, like Julio is almost a dog to be better than what Corey Davis was last year. But from a talent process standpoint, I think you'd want to throw the ball a bit more with Julio Jones there. And also just historically, like when I'm looking at play calling and doing projections, you know, teams that, ran as much as Tennessee ran like they they end up passing a little bit more the next year there's just a little bit of natural regression a little bit pullback towards the league average so I have them throwing more like 56 percent of the time versus just 50 percent of the time and in a pretty efficient offense I see some upside for Tannehill I have him QB 11 he was a good value there for a little bit but it seems like the market has now really caught up to you know, that number post Julio trade. I have his, I have the Titans passing 53% of the time as a baseline. And obviously that can be adjusted. That's going to be one of the big surprise announcements. You want to adjust that higher? Do I have a tool for you to use to fit your projections any way that you want as easy as possible? More on that next week. 
I have him essentially right next to Stafford in terms of like how many fantasy points they're going to score. And you could talk me into buffing him up a little bit and rushing, maybe throwing for a few more touchdowns because I have Stafford throwing for more. I think that the upside actually does rest with Tannehill in this situation, unless the Rams go absolutely like bonkers in this spot. But then once you get up to QB 11 and QB 10, now you're talking about like Brady and Burrow and guys like that. I I mean, I think him and Brady are probably pretty equal in terms of being a fantasy quarterback, but I think I'd rather just have Burrow because there's that unknown part of how much he's going to rush. Yeah, I think Burrow has a bit more high-end upside, not only in terms of how much he might rush, but just it's a really talented wide receiver group, and they're a fast-paced team. They could just throw so much that we could see kind of some nutty volume numbers, even if the efficiency isn't amazing. You know, they still have a pretty low win total. You know, if they don't win a lot of games, but they score a little bit more than people think. Uh, but yeah, then you're getting into a point where I'm kind of just taking the last of the group, right? You know, I don't want to reach too much on that QB 10 to 14 range. I'm also pretty obsessed with all the rookie quarterbacks this year. So Tannehill ends up you know, kind of a guy that I might want to stack with if I've taken AJ Brown and Julio Jones earlier, but otherwise I'm sort of waiting on quarterback and trying to get, you know, the last of a tier or really focus on the rookie quarterbacks this year. Derek Henry is currently being drafted in the past two weeks is running back number four on average. That's behind Delvin Cook and Kamara. Obviously CMC is going number one. Would you take him at three or would you take him at two? Do you think is forcing like I I don't envision a world where I take Kamara ahead of Derrick Henry. I think Dalvin Cook. I talked about this last time we we're on the show. I think Dalvin Cook's the clear number two running back, uh, especially in PPR formats over Derrick Henry. I think he's got sort of like the insane upside that Christian McCaffrey has. Like obviously lower probability, but then I'm I think Derrick Henry's even in a full PPR, I think he's just so safe. You know, this offense is constructed around him. It's efficient. The addition of Julio Jones, I think is a good thing for Derrick Henry, because even if they run a little bit less, the offense is going to be better. Like, like we kind of almost, you know, I almost care more about the stability of the offense than I do two to three carries here and there, especially if this means more touches by the goal line, which, you know, we, we all know that's where Derrick Henry really makes his value. I'm just looking at it right now. Like in PPR projections, he comes in at running back number five and half point PPR. He's actually running back number two though. Like there, there is, he is the one running back. I mean, besides like Eckler and Camara, where you really factor in like how valuable their receptions project to be with McCaffrey. He just kind of does everything. So it doesn't really make that big of a difference. He is more valuable in PPR. He's just as valuable in every other format as well Uh, with Henry. Like he gets a significant bump the farther you get away from PPR. Yeah. I have him like dropping from three to four, but I'm kind of with you where I I still might take him over Camara in full PPR just because I don't know. I feel a little bit better about it. There's a little bit less uncertainty, but that's a tough one. I think those two are very close. I think I, I am on Henry. I had a Barkley though. Uh, so keeping Henry in that top four running backs, regardless of format. Do, do you think I have over projected Derrick Henry at 27 catches? That sounds about right to me. I, I have just checked. I, I have 26.9 catches. So you well, definitely yeah, over projected uh, 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 that. Uh, uh, Mike, you can't catch 0.9 of a catch. <laughs> oh is that is that true yeah all right well for rounding up we're we're on the same page here otherwise you're 0.1 
a little bit too aggressive. And I, you know, you gotta, you gotta shore that up Mayo. Yeah. I got to figure that out, but I do have him, you know, over 1,750 rushing yards. I just think that he's, his floor is just so safe. It it does feel like eventually the rug is going to be pulled out on Derrick Henry though. Do you worry that Arthur Smith isn't there anymore? And maybe this offense looks a little bit different. A little bit. I mean, it was such an efficient offense and they did run at a pretty fast pace. Like that would be a concern if the pace slows down, there's not as many plays here for everyone to make their way, but it's, I don't know. I'm not overly concerned. I mean, it is kind of crazy to look like I have a 1760 projection on his rush yards as well. Like just an absurd number. And we even at ETR took the under on his prop bet for rush yards because, you know, over a 17 game season, we don't like, is there going to be a little bit more risk in terms of rest and stuff? And, and, and like, I, mean, I, I think and, I'd be taking the, and if he just you know tweaks a hamstring and misses three games, you win the bet. Yeah, exactly. So if you're betting props, like I'm probably taking the under here on some of those risks that we haven't seen come, come to fruition yet for Derrick Henry the past couple of years. And he's just defied probability, but the dude is built a little bit differently. I think we can acknowledge that. And I'm not letting it affect my fantasy, you know, how I'm approaching him in fantasy, because you can make the same argument for a lot of the backs. Like the, you can make risk arguments for Kamara with the quarterback for Barkley with the knee stuff for Zeke with, uh, you know, just what I mentioned him not performing very well, a lot of tread on the tires with Jonathan Taylor. We went over with Marlon Mack and Naheem Hines there. So they all have issues. So I'm not saying it's a scot-free bet here and that there's no risk, but I don't, I think it's manageable risk, you know, same level as the other backs going after him. Yeah. And listen, everyone has risk. Christian McCaffrey has no risks and what he played three games last year. So yeah, <laughs> shit happens. Uh, any of the backups you see being a primary handcuff or would that just be a crapshoot? Uh, Davis's boy, Brian Hill. He's a backup on this team. Now Darrington Evans, who like I drafted last year is like, oh, man, if, if Derrick Henry goes down, I'm golden. And just, there was, there was a waste of a roster spot. Uh, Jeremy McNichols is still on this team. Like any interest in those guys? I have some mild Darrington Evans interest. It's one of those things where, you know, preseason will show it up for us, right? Well, we should be able to get a good idea who the clear RB2 is. I'm just taking Evans. I feel like last season was a little bit of a wash season for him where he wasn't fully healthy coming in and it just didn't quite work out for him. And I'm willing to give him a pass until I see otherwise. But the second I see like, you know, Brian Hill being worked in on the second team over Evans, I'm throwing that out the window you know it's a hundred percent contingent value you know none of these guys are going to have standalone value aj brown is being drafted as the eighth receiver now over the past two weeks that's pick number 26 julio jones being drafted as wide receiver number 17 pick number 44 i don't think that there's as big of a gap between those two as people are drafting them like at that at those prices i will take julio and what what do you think that the the odds are that julio outscores AJ Brown this year, like 40, 60. Is it more? I think it's less than that. So like 30, 70, maybe like 30, 70. I, I brought this up. I was talking to my friend Ben Gretsch, who's like the biggest AJ Brown stand. Cause he was trying to say the Julio trade, like actually helped AJ Brown. And I was like, no, not, not a chance because now we've got like at least a 20% chance, right. That Julio out targets AJ Brown. Whereas before that was off the table. Like there was a 0% chance Josh Reynolds was going to out target AJ Brown. So 
I like them both. I'm betting on AJ Brown's talent though. I mean, this is a third year for a guy who's had just like an absolutely absurd two years of efficiency. He did it on more volume last year. As I noted, I think this team throws more frequently than they did last season. So he's, he's better than wide receiver eight for me. I think he should be going before wide receiver eight. I've been stoked to get him at the two, three turn a couple of times. So would you rather have Tyree killer, AJ Brown? I'd rather have Tyreek Hill. Would you rather have Diggs, Tyreek, or, Diggs or Brown? I just want to get good. Just name names. Diggs. Diggs. DeAndre Hopkins or AJ Brown. Toss up. Coin flip. All right. We'll flip the coin. What'd it come down on? I'll, I'll say nuke. Okay. I'll go. I'll go. Devonte Adams or AJ Brown. Adams. Ridley or Brown. I think. I, I want to go back and change my DeAndre Hopkins answer. I think I take Brown. Yeah, you Hopkins. see, you I see, you, you, you see where this is going now, don't you? <laughs> but the, the, that's where he's capped. I think is seven. So I'll say Ridley, but I'm taking Brown over Metcalf. I'm taking Brown over Justin Jefferson. I think he's a better version of those two players. Okay, I mean, I think that's that's a fair assessment to make. One of the things that I like about Metcalf, Jefferson, and Brown, all as a part of that tier, is they can get by on the efficiency because they can score. They they can turn a bubble screen into an eighty-yard touchdown with one stiff arm. Yeah. They're very to like in that way, and that's a nice game-breaking element to have from a top-end receiver. If they find themselves in a situation where things are working against them, they can always have that big play ability. Uh, you know, obviously, you're not banking on it, but you do know that talent is there. I actually think for me, like looking behind those guys, like that tier is kind of like the, the Pat Mayo tier of receiver. Michael Thomas, Keenan Allen, Terry McLaurin, like guys that I know that are going to get 13 targets a game. <laughs> yeah, and it does get like we mentioned – Derrick Henry having a big difference from half PPR to full. Like AJ Brown is kind of the same way. We we do have when we get past, let's say Ridley or past the top six, five, six wide receivers, Michael Thomas, Keenan Allen get shifted way up in full PPR. Like it's such a big disparity. And then AJ Brown, Metcalf, and Justin Jefferson get shifted down a little bit and they like end up with one bigger tier, I think. Whereas like half PPR, I think there's a clearer distinction between those guys well how many targets do you have aj brown projected for because i have 131 i have aj brown right now projected for 123 targets i think my stuff runs a little bit cooler than your stuff overall but i have him at 123 julio at 113 julio i have at 120 so i just have it seems like and the market shares that i have for targets to them are hugely skewed towards them. I have AJ Brown at 24% market share and Julio at a 22% with Josh Reynolds coming in at 10%. Yeah. Honestly, that's, that's my base for AJ Brown's 24, 22 for Julio, but then I have it scaled down a little bit. Cause like, you know, chaos happens in an FL season. So I'm generally projecting like 105% team targets and scaling that down to more like 22 and a half percent for AJ Brown, 21% for Julio Jones. But we're pretty much on the same page as far as how that offense is going to run and where it's going to, you have a, the targets going to be concentrated on. I do think that taking the game, like I, I think with all things being equal, some of the guys that we just went through, all the guys that you mentioned, I, I actually think that Hopkins is probably the one that is very close to him with me. I think I would probably take a Keenan Allen or a Michael Thomas in that range and just take Julio later on in the hopes that Julio just is Julio and, he's like still a top five receiver in football and <laughs> they throw to him. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, 
it's tough with Julio because he was still amazing last year. What was he like fourth in yards per route run? And now he's replacing Corey Davis. He was fifth in yards per route run in this offense. So when he's out there, it seems like despite his age, he's still going to be very good. Uh, is he going to be at hundred percent health? You know, I don't know. I hate to do the injury stuff too much because it's so random, but when a guy is kind of like notorious for being questionable on the injury report each week and starting to get up there in age, I get a little bit worried, which is honestly like the main reason why I'm, I have that gap between AJ Brown and Julio probably a little wider than you. It's kind of, cause I think like they're upside cases. Like I feel better about AJ Brown's upside case versus Julio Jones, whereas the base case is pretty tight, you know, 123 targets versus 113. And AJ Brown did apparently just play all last year with a broken foot. Like it was no, no big deal. So toughen it out. The guy's going to get on the field for you. Any of these other receivers worth it? Like could Chester Rogers be the new Adam Humphreys on this team playing the slot? I don't think so. I, I'm really not interested in any of these receivers and in, in pretty much any format. I have, I mean, if we want to go to tight ends, I have some interest, but yeah, well, none of the secondary receivers for me. Ferkser with John gone. everyone really glommed on to him. It's like, oh man, potential top five tight end. And then Julio came in. It was like, oh, um, okay, let's let's reset expectations for what Ferkser is going to do. But I got him at a thirteen percent market share of the targets. I get him to like tight end fifteen, tight end fourteen. And if he is a primary red zone weapon, all of a sudden, then he's like a top ten tight end. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I don't understand the hype cycle on Furtzer because he was never a guy that was going to get a huge amount of targets. Right. So Julio Jones coming over like that affects AJ Brown, where we thought there was a chance AJ Brown could get 30% of the team's targets. Like he has the talent to earn that. Furtzer was never going to be much above 13%. So to me, Julio coming over encourages the offense to pass more going to get more red zone opportunities for Furtzer and probably still going to see about 13% of the target. So his ADP has plummeted when I think his situation might be a little bit better or flat, you know? So I think he's a very good pick at ADP right now. I think in most sites, he's going like out starting to creep outside the top 20, yeah, which just kind of seems pa- nuts pa- to me. Past two weeks in NFF, NFFC high stakes drafts, uh, there's been, let's see, he has been undrafted half the time, uh, and he's going as tight end 26, picks 202. Yeah, I mean, Furtzer could easily be better than Trauman, anyone Komet, outside the top. I mean, yeah. even up to Evan Ingram, like he could be. I'm not saying he's going to be, but I would take, you know, Furtzer for free over Evan Ingram in round nine, I think. I, I think even Evan Ingram has started to drop too. Ingram going pick number 140 now. Yeah, it looks like there's a there's a clear top 10 that kind of ends with like Fant, Logan Thomas, and Higby that I think are good. But then like after those guys, it's such a crapshoot that I think Ferkser's odds are almost as good as anyone's. Like him and Austin Hooper have been the guys I've been taking just way, way late where I like don't really understand their ADP relative to the other tight ends. Let's be honest, you're not getting as good of sleep as you need to be. Whether your problem is falling asleep, staying asleep, or just not feeling rested once you wake up, that's me, you're not alone. More than half of Americans, I'm not even American, I still experience this, but more than half of Americans report having trouble with getting enough sleep. At Brickhouse Nutrition, our team of on-staff physicians is on a mission to get heads on pillows, and we'd like to introduce Dreams Sleep Aid. 
by taking science-backed ingredients like melatonin and combining them with natural ingredients from the earth like valerian root and jujube fruit, Dreams is a perfect blend for the perfect sleep. Go to BrickHouseSleep.com and get 15% off your first order at checkout with promo code MAYO. It's time to sleep like a brick. BrickHouseSleep.com, promo code MAYO. Welcome to StockX, the only live marketplace for what's now and next. Whether it's the latest sneakers, apparel, electronics, collectibles, or trading cards, everything on StockX is brand new and 100% verified authentic. With StockX, you have the power to shop millions of hard-to-find or sold-out products at their true market value. Discover products that are on the trend and ahead of the trends by shopping on StockX. Download the app or sign up online to start buying and selling in a few easy clicks. Start shopping at StockX.com. Access the now. Again, StockX.com. Here's a fun one to try to figure out. The Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm assuming Trevor Lawrence is starting a quarterback for them. I don't know these things, though. But that's just my projection read on the situation. So the Jags come into this season with a brand new quarterback. Uh, Urban Meyer is their head coach. Bevel's the OC. Joe Collins the DC. Six and a half is their win total. Plus 340 to make the playoffs. Eight to one to win the division. 40 to one to win the conference. 80 to one to win the Super Bowl. Probably not going to win the Super Bowl. But what do you make? of trevor lawrence because i think fantasy wise if he's starting from day one why can't he be a top 10 quarterback based on what he does well yeah i mean he runs you know i know we've got a lot of emphasis on like justin fields and trey lance's rushes but trevor lawrence is gonna run and put up fantasy points on the ground and he's got a lot more safety than the other rookie quarterbacks as you said he's probably starting from day one like him and zach wilson have an edge and starting from day one and I mean, this is the guy we've been anointing as the top pick for like three years now, you know, so he's a special kind of quarterback prospect. A lot of people are throwing out the best quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck. So there's a chance he's just a really good passer from day one. I think he has a low key, interesting skill group to work with. I like DJ Chark. I like LaVisca Chenault. So I've, where it's tough for me is I have him fields and Lance all similar where the safety for Lawrence is way higher. And I do think he has upside, but I think Fields and Lance have this really, really high ceiling where they could be like top seven QBs that I'm not quite sure if Lawrence can get there uh, or not. But I think all of the rookie quarterbacks are underdrafted in general. And it's a good draft strategy to really just plan around getting one of those guys in the mid-teens rounds. It's interesting because in high stakes draft, Trevor Lawrence is going as the 14th overall quarterback. That's just behind... Rogers, Stafford, Tannehill, Burrow, then it's Trevor Lawrence. Then you get into the Matt Ryans, Kirk Cousins, Carson Wentz, Baker Mayfields, that type. Like, I don't know. If I was going to spend in, let's see, he's going pick number 118. And that's the clear tier below Burrow, who's going at pick number 92 as the bottom of that other tier. Lawrence is sort of the start of the top tier. I mean, is there that much difference between Burrow and Lawrence, really? Yeah, I think the biggest difference is we know the team play calling for Cincinnati, right? Like we know they're going to be fast paced. We know they're going to throw the ball over expectation and the skill groups probably better. Like that, that's the biggest difference. Uh, but I mean, you've got concerns with Burrow coming back from an injury and with an old line that's going to be better, but still going to be bad. 
So yeah, like I said, in, in redraft leagues in particular, man, the, these rookie quarterbacks are way underdrafted. Uh, and I think you want to just load up on skill positions in the top 10 rounds in managed leagues this year, you build out as much as you can there. And usually I'm in managed leagues only taking one quarterback and just like, I'm riding that quarterback. I'm not really streaming. I'm taking a guy with upside that I like. I'm fine taking two this year. If I, and eating one of the roster spot, if I can get a rookie and then like someone maybe that's kind of safe or maybe stream that second spot. I'm going to give you a stat line for Trevor Lawrence's rushing stats. And I want you to give me the over under on this line, 76 rushing attempts, 378 yards and two touchdowns on the ground. Cause I think I would go way over. I'm, I'm going to go under. That seems a little high, Really? but I might be. I just don't, I don't know. I don't know. I have him right now at like 14% rushing share for the team, which gets him at like 60 carries for the season. Uh, I have him at an 18% market share of the rushing for his team. I just have them running a lot. (laughs) Yeah. I might, I might have it, have it too low, but Um, I, I actually think he gets a better boost in terms of yardage and potential touchdowns. If they're like truly horrendous. Uh, and he's for like, he's just in the Blake Bortles situation where they're just down by 20 and he's chucking 60 times a game, which is also just going to foster like five, six, five, six, seven rushing attempts a game. Yeah, I can see that. I'm pretty pro Lawrence. I've, I have had this weird bias where like the ADP on Lawrence earlier in the off season was so hot that I was like, I'm just going to take fields or Lance later. And now it's actually, as you said, at QB 14, it's cooled down a little bit. I think it's about right. Uh, so I, I do like Lawrence and I do like some of his targets from a fantasy perspective too. Here's a million dollar question, potentially in some of like the DraftKings best ball type stuff, Travis Etienne or James Robinson. How are like, how do you even try to project these guys out? Is Etienne really going to be a slot receiver or is he going to be their primary running back? Is James Robinson like even going to get a carry a game? Is he going to get 27 carries a game? This I cannot figure out. I'm pretty out on James Robinson because I don't think he has the big playability that Etienne has. I think he's going to see less targets than Etienne. And as you said, it's kind of who's guess on the carries. I mean, Urban Meyer loves himself some Carlos Hyde too. Like I've got him mixing in for carries. So I don't see the routes to upside for Robinson. I think ATN might have some similar risk, but like a first round draft pick from the new regime versus UDFA from the last regime, pretty big discrepancy here. You know who you want to bet on. And if ATN is getting a double digit target share, we're pretty happy with that alone. Like if he's just having some carries and a double digit target share, he can get there. I've taken him in the sixth. I haven't quite pulled the trigger in the fifth, I don't think. But if I have some teams where I've gone wide receiver heavy early, I want to take a chance on you know, a rookie breakout. I've taken ATN in the sixth. I could see it doing it at the end of five. That's about where I'm at with him. Well, you're no longer getting him there because he's now going as running back number 22, pick number 45. That's head of Javante Williams, who I'd rather just roll the dice on. Yeah, it, I think that's, I feel like that's picked up. Uh, and it kind of, I guess it depends on format a little bit. Uh, Cause I've seen him on some sites going like the fifties, but he's, he's a guy that has a pretty high variance ADP, I guess. Right. Like some guys have different standard deviations for ADP. I think ATNs is pretty high, you but yeah, would, I, I, you, you I, would be, I can't do it in the fourth round. You, you would be a hundred percent on that because he's going as high as 26 and as low as 64. 
Boom. See, 64 will take them. 26. Whew. No, thank you. <laughs> like, would you rather have, I think I know your answer to this, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm throwing it out there. Would you rather have Etienne or David Montgomery? Um, let me look at our ranks real quick. Like, don't worry about, I, co- like, don't worry about costs. Let's say they're both there in the fifth and a half round and you're going to take a running back. And those are the two options that you have. Which one would you take? I think I might reluctantly take Montgomery. Me too. <laughs> I'm I'm worried Montgomery is overvalued, but he, he's but I'd he's not him. but he's not he's overvalued, but at the same time, he's not valued where he should be coming off the year that he just had. Because everyone is just yeah. making in, well, he's not gonna do that again. And it's giving you a bit of a discount on him. Like his high like he's he's averaging around like pick number 36 but he's going as low as 48 and as high as like 30 like no one's reaching on david montgomery yeah that's very fair i feel like the fantasy community in general is getting a little bit sharper with this stuff and it sometimes it makes like you have these opinions like david montgomery's gonna be way overdrafted and you just assume it's gonna happen and it doesn't really i think the robbie anderson dj Moore discrepancy is another example where like in previous years those guys might be going closer and closer together because they scored the same amount of points last year and now this year you know you've got dj Moore going in the fourth robbie anderson going in the seventh so the the fantasy community has been a little bit more process oriented which makes it interesting because then you really you start to consider these guys that you thought you were going to have pretty easy decision points on james robinson is still going as running back number 27 that's pick number 62 overall that seems high he's going around the same here's what i don't understand and i i kind of hashed this out with jake on the nfc south show i just think that mike davis is being underdrafted i don't know if he's good i don't know if he's bad but for the role that he has it just seems like everyone is so scorned from todd Gurley last year that you have a guy going in like the early sixth round who's a potentially a workhorse running back. Yeah, I see both sides of the Mike Davis argument. You know, the one side is we're projecting him for this volume just because we have to and no one else is there. Does that mean he's actually going to see it? Like no. maybe they signed someone, maybe they spread things. Like that's the concern. But I also think the people who are like, well, you're just like overly projecting that volume are missing out that regardless of what happens, I do think he's actually a pretty good bet for the high value touches. Like I think he's going to get catches. I think he's going to get red zone opportunities. It's a team that should generate a lot of both of those. Cause they're going to be playing from behind. They're going to be throwing a lot. They're going to run at a fast pace. So I like Mike Davis. Like I like Mike Davis more than David Montgomery. I like him more than Travis Etienne. Yeah. And he's going at running back number 26 instead of running back number 15. Like he's going at pick 62 instead of pick 45. Like that's, that's actual value. Yeah, if you can get Mike Davis at the five six turn, I think you're pretty happy. Like I get in round four and even early five, some of the receivers like a Jamar Chase type, you'd rather make those bats than a running back bat. Historically, we've just seen that it works out in favor of the wide receiver over the running back there. But you also get to a point around late five, early six too, where the receivers that are going there aren't that much different than the receivers going in seven, eight, in my opinion. Like I like guys like Robbie Anderson and Odell Beckham that can slip to seven. So I'm okay taking like Mike Davis in five, even though I could have taken, you know, Deontay Johnson there. Wide receiving core has Chark, Marv Jones, Harry, 
He's now on this team. This is going to be fun when he has his five-touchdown game that doesn't do anything for five weeks. Chenault, who everyone on the internet loves. He's, he's just a guy. He's a guy you have to have, Chenault, although the fantasy points don't necessarily come along with it. Uh, 2L Colin Johnson was used in spurts last year. Philip Dorsett. Alanis Dorsett is on this team. Uh, I mean, I thought they were going to trade Chark at one point. So wasn't that wasn't he traded to the Ravens, like, actually, and then it turned out it didn't happen? I don't know what don't to do. I don't remember exactly that, how was, that went down. That was very early in the offseason. Like, if I had to bet, I'd say that Marvin Jones scores the most fantasy points out of any of these guys. Oof. No, no, no. I think he's third most likely. I'm I'm going with going with the youth. Uh, Is there any situation like where to, you don't just take the younger guy? Um. I Well, you don't understand what it's like to be badgered by Adam Levitan and Evan Silva each week for liking old guys. So it like really beats you down and you just start like they've trained. It's almost like they've zapped me every time I've taken the old guy that now, like, even if I start to think about it, I'm afraid I'm going to get zapped. So I have to go with the youth, but I think like DJ Chark has, is going to command a higher target share than Marvin Jones. And I really like his downfield ability. And then Chenault's targets per out run were really strong towards the end of this season. And I know there were concerns about 18 kind of taking his spot, but since that like post draft panic on Chanel, we've gotten some pretty good quotes from the, the coaching staff there. That sounds like they're going to use him. They really like him just as a straight receiver and he's going to play. And I think that, you know, the yak abilities there for Chanel, I think like all our, like I'm looking at some of their ADPs and I have them like all like one to two spots ahead of their ADP positionally. Just like if you bet on Trevor Lawrence is actually good, there just might be value here in general. I'm like one of these three guys is probably going to beat their ADP by a decent bit. And that's why you bet on Marvin Jones. DJ Chark's ADP right now is wide receiver number 31, Chenault wide receiver number 38. Let me scroll down for a second. Marvin Jones, wide receiver 53. I did just want to, my most recent drafts, I did a Marvin Jones, Trevor Lawrence stack for, for you, Mayo. So I haven't totally avoided him. But. No, and, and I think that, like you said, I think it's basically a three-way coin toss between all of these guys. Like the projections, I'll have them right next to each other, essentially for me, wide receiver 32, 36, and 41, based on the way they project out. And that's really not including any of the other receivers to potentially come in and make an impact. I just see Marvin Jones where the tight end situation on this team is not great. I think we're going to, I mean, the Irish assassin, James O'Shaughnessy is still on the team. Yeah, Tim Tebow, of course he's on the team, but I just see Marv as being the big body sure-handed receiver that uh, when we project out like a rookie quarterback in our minds, like he'll take his shots with Chark. He'll take his shots with Chenault, but when they're throwing fades in the end zone, it's going to Marv. That's what they do. This tight end group, as you said, though, is like an absolute disaster from a fantasy perspective. I don't know if I've seen anything like it recently. Tebow! I have. I, I I don't even have a projection for Tebow. I don't think it's happening, but. I You know what? I want it to happen so badly. I love Tim Tebow. I think that he's fun for football. I love how mad he makes other people for really no reason whatsoever. Uh, I, just, I just hope he's good. I could see him being okay in a role like this. Like, not fantasy-wise, but like as an actual player on the field where never had, uh, I mean, uh, actually I'll get you to say, it. do you remember the, uh, the old San Francisco and Tennessee tight end whose last name was Walker? Can you say that first name for me, please? 
Delaney. Delaney Walker. Yes, this is always one of my favorite <laughs> bits from you. How he was like a legitimate H-back before he became like a real tight end. When he was playing for the Niners, like he would play a bit of tight end receiving and blocking. He'd line up in the backfield and be a fullback. I could see Tebow being effective in that type of role. The problem is, if Tebow is effective in that type of role, this offense is going to look like it's from like 1987 or something. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, former quarterback turned tight end Logan Thomas coming off a good season as well. So uh, better side, but I, I think Thomas is way bigger than Tebow. Although Tebow, Tebow can yeah. be a lot bigger than I think. He's just so like, I don't know. He looks like a fire hydrant now. Yeah, I don't, but yeah, like it's going to be fantasy irrelevant. It might be fun to watch, but it'll be fantasy irrelevant. Then they brought in Chris Manhurts, paid him a bunch of money to block. They got O'Shaughnessy. Luke it's, Farrell. Yeah, like I think I ha- I, th- I have Manhurts and O'Shaughnessy. I keep thinking of like O'Shag Hennessy from the uh, Key Peel bit there whenever I see his name, but the i've got him i got them at like six percent target shares all right let's move on to houston and i don't even know how we frame this discussion um i don't know what they're paul what, what's their over under oh four and a half is their over under so i'm actually shocked that's on the board right now plus 725 to make the playoffs 28 to 1 to win the division 80 to 1 to win the conference a buck 75 to win the super bowl they are the favorites to have the number one pick going into next year what is happening with is Deshaun Watson even going to play this year? Do you think? I don't think so. I really don't think he's going to play for the Houston Texans. Like even before the legal issues, I mean, he was pretty much done with Houston, right? Like was wanted to force a trade the way out. And now with the legal issues, it just seems like something to me that probably going to need to run its course for this year. And they trade him next off season. And Tyrod Taylor made a comment about how he's going to get a chance to start, which, you know, all backups think they're going to get a chance to start, but it sounded like, you know, he had some information that this wasn't going to be Deshaun Watson out of the gate for Houston. So I really haven't drafted Watson anywhere. Even sometimes he's crazy late and people are kind of like, well, you know, uh, asymmetric upside, right? Like, but I, I don't know. I just, I don't think he's, I don't think he's playing this year. Maybe I shouldn't be as confident in that as I am, but I don't think it's happening. So the last two weeks, he's going quarterback 25 pick 172. You wouldn't just say, let me take him. See if he plays. <laughs> I've been doing mostly best ball. I guess if you were in a managed league, there's like very little opportunity cost and just taking Watson, right? Like, yeah, because like he's I mean, go, he's go, he's going behind like Big Ben and Fitzpatrick and Baker. Yeah, you can just like drop him week one or something. Yeah, if he but, doesn't play, then you drop him. And you pick up Derek Kerr. Big deal. Yeah, pick but, up two. And I mean, I did an FFPC draft recently. Like, I got Justin Fields. I didn't even need a second quarterback. And me and Sam Hoppin, who does some really good data visuals on Twitter. We, we took field just because like it was the end of round 16. Like some of these high stakes drafts, people are really because of what happened last year at the QB position. They're really trying to get an elite quarterback, which like, I understand the upside there, but it's causing guys to drop and be essentially free because those people taking elite quarterbacks aren't taking a second quarterback. There's no need because if you're taking Kyler Murray, you're never not starting Kyler Murray in a, in a managed league. And I could see taking Watson then like you could get Baker Mayfield for absolutely free and then take Watson as your last pick. And 
see what happens. Or like you said, you could potentially just play it straight off the waiver wire and stream. Yeah. I, I don't think that there's significant downside, especially as a quarterback too. Cause if he starts, he's a top 10 quarterback. I would imagine. The hard part's best ball where, I mean, that just eats a spot and there's nothing you can do with it if you're wrong. So it's yeah, you know, but the you, dynamics. But it's different. not like you're not going to be wrong about 10 of your picks anyway. At least this one, at, le- at least this one's a 15th round pick that could be the equivalent of a fifth round pick. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I'm very stubborn about not wasting roster spots in best ball. Sounds like, like you're a, sounds like you're a coward. I uh, you can call me a coward. I did, but you 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 keep drafting Deshaun Watson and see what that does to your win rates when you've got a, a stone zero from week one. Well, Mike, let me tell you, I wasn't gonna win anyway. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, it's so late in drafts. And I think that redraft leagues, it works out a lot easier. Like, oh, you know what? Yeah. Before the season starts, I'm not going to take a kicker. I'll take Deshaun Watson and just wait around till week one and see what happens. Yeah, 100%. Uh, so what does this do to the rest of the team if Tyrod's starting? Will will he get needled in the lung again? Tyrod's your boy. Oh, my God. He, uh, yeah, I think Tyrod was a very underrated quarterback during his time at Buffalo. I think context has changed since then you know it's an aging mobile quarterback and the other thing with Tyrod is there weren't as many mobile quarterbacks back then right like it's not like he's running more he's not running more than like 10 other guys in the league at this point so I think it gets pretty ugly if Tyrod's back there I I don't think even with his rushing ability he would be much of a fantasy asset because there's lots of guys that run now you know and yeah he doesn't really offer much at all in terms of passing like there's very little upside there in terms of raw volume so if he's quarterback i mean it, it's a it's tough because it's going to be a run heavy team they've got like four different running backs that could see the ball i do still like some brandon cooks just because he's consistently earned 20 plus target shares and been pretty good and i think he's if there's a position that it matters least that the team's in a negative game script, it's probably receiver because they're not really getting there on efficiency anyways. But I, I guess it's hard because you're probably not getting the volume with Tyrod even playing in a negative game script. So this is a pretty brutal team from a fantasy perspective. You know, them and Detroit are both bad. But as we talked about with Detroit last time we were on this show, like they, they still had some spots that were like somewhat interesting at ADP and Houston doesn't have a ton. I mean, the best thing you can say about them is all these guys are super cheap because no one wants to draft them. I would still take Cooks. Cooks at wide receiver number 40? Why not? Right, and that's what I'm saying. Like, Cooks Cooks has the most value here. He's going to be the wide receiver one no matter what. And he's, like, actually good. So it's not like we're just thrusting, you know, Josh Reynolds. or It's not like we're thrusting kiki kuti to a 20 percent target share just because we have to you know that's where it's different i would take some stabs on nico collins super late uh big athletic dude that i mean why not like route i'll bet on the athleticism decent draft capital and an actual route to playing time but i mean we're talking like for free at the end of draft yeah, he, he is he is wide receiver number 92 off the board And then at running back, there becomes a point where everyone's so cheap that it is worth betting on an ambiguous backfield in some zero RB builds. You you know who I can tell you not to bet on? 
Mark Ingram. Mark Ingram. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you though. Mark Ingram, I haven't touched. I've taken some like 13th, 14th round David Johnson where you know, I've just been beaten down. I'm like, all right, at that point, like, I mean, he had some league winning weeks last year. Yeah, he's, right? he, I mean, he he's won going DFS tournaments. Yeah, he's going running back number 39 now, pick number 104. Philip Lindsay is going pick number 153. So he's free. And Mark Ingram's on the team. And so is Rex Burkhead. And so is Duke Johnson. <laughs> yeah, I think Duke is technically a free agent. I don't think he's signed anywhere yet. Oh, people but... are still drafting him ahead of Rex Burkhead, though. For a while, I kept thinking he'd get signed. I'm like, Duke Duke for free is a great pick, man. He's going to get signed and catch passes somewhere and you know, it has not materialized. Oh, so you know what? I forgot. Don, I, Dontrell Hilliard is the other guy who's on this team. <laughs> yes. But I, so I've taken some, like when David Johnson slips like round 13, 14 in the right builds, I've taken him. I've taken some Philip Lindsay for absolute free where, I mean, I, I like, I'm generally I, as building. A, as a talent, I think Lindsay's good. Yeah, the concern is like split carries and you're not going to catch passes and the offense stinks. Like what's the upside? But if you're 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 free, the way I'm constructing my roster is generally, especially redraft managed, like I'm just stockpiling running back bets, you know, towards the end of the draft. Because those guys have like the most like I guess the asymmetric upside, right? Because if they get the role, they can be very good. Whereas like a crappy wide receiver in round 18, you know, they're they're a crappy wide receiver no matter what. Tight ends, Jordan Akins, Pharaoh Brown, Anthony O'Clair. Pass. How about that? Yeah, pass. Is this a team I mean, like, is Brandon Cooks legitimately the only guy you might start if Deshaun Watson is not the quarterback of this team on a fantasy team this year? Like week one, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, think we, I think week one, Brandon Cooks is the only starter. That's nuts. Is there a chance it's like David Mills is the quarterback who I'm pretty sure was the Brad Pitt character from seven? I think What's so. in the box. I mean, he's in the box. Hopefully is, I don't know. Hopefully is 2022 is in the box. that We've just jumped a year and didn't have to experience a year of the Houston Texans. But I do think there's a chance. Like I, I like Davis Mills and, dynasty i was taking him just because i think there's some value of you know a rookie quarterback playing right away like there, i think it's better than 50 50 that davis mills starts a game this year not necessarily week one but he's got to start at some point right like are you really going to throw out tyrod taylor for 16 or 17 games i mean with this Assuming team watson isn't yes <laughs> but why wouldn't you just like play davis mills and see what happens I don't know. I, I would agree with you on that logic, but this is the Houston Texans. Very fair point. Applying logic to sports teams is like the biggest flaw in like fantasy analysis. Oh no. Uh, Brad Pitt's name was David Mills, not Davis Mills. So oh, we don't have to worry about poor Gwyneth this time around. Oh man. This team's a bummer to think about really is let's not think about them anymore let's wrap up the show mike leone what do you got going on over at etr tell everyone about the new ish podcast you have coming out yeah establish the edge podcast i have been doing that for a little over a year now started with pat crane and now pat is with nbc sports edge so it's me hosting but i do have a projection special that i've been doing with ben gretz we released 
episode one, which was the AFC South. So this is the second time I've had to talk about the Houston Texans. We're going to be releasing episode two, which will be the AFC North very shortly. So that's a lot of fun. We're getting into the weeds, kind of like you and I are doing, uh, maybe even a little bit nerdier, if you can believe it. So we're doing that. And then the ETR draft kit, um, you know, it's a extremely low price draft kit for the amount of content you get. I think it's like 35 bucks and there's some promotions that you can get some site credits, you know, depending where you're playing uh, fantasy this year that you can check out. I've written some stack articles already for this site. Uh, we've got Jack Miller doing great stuff. Evan Silva's tiers, his top 150. So make sure to check that out over at Establish the Run. Well, here's really the difference. You can get the Establish the Run package and get Evan Silva's tiers for 35 bucks plus all the other content. Or you can pay for nothing and get my tiers and see how that works out for you. <laughs> my guess, not very well. I get nothing. You're giving me nothing I here, Leone. Come on. I, I blew I blew that. I know it was like one of those things where like I realized too late. It was thrown back to me. And then I didn't know what to say. And I just I dropped the ball, Pat. I blew it. Okay. I, you ended me on the Houston Texans and it got my mind in the wrong spot. Making you awkward live on camera is still one of my favorite things to do, even after seven years. <laughs> it's not hard to do. So, but you're very good at it also. So it's a good combination. At two hats, one Mike on Twitter. You can follow him there and check out all of his work at establishtherun.com. ETR, I'm Pat Mayer. You can follow me at the PME, Twitter, Facebook, and the Instagrams. All of the previous fantasy football shows are in the description. I'll have the rankings and a big tools announcement coming next week. Thank you all for watching. Smash the like. I'll see you next time. You have no experience. Experience.